I am Linda. And I'm Sarah. I'm a boomer mom. I'm a millennial daughter. And we're here to talk about relationships. All kinds of relationships. So without further ado, let's, let's get, get relational. relational. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Let's Get Relational. Today, we are speaking about resilience on this day, which is important. <laughs> yes, we love resilience. Yeah, it is actually uh, what I kind of almost in a way went to school to study. College, I mean, that, that's part of my major, even though it's not really called a major, but that's a side note. Um, but it's actually something that I have been fascinated by and um, wanted to understand and learn more about due to me being a writer um, and the fact that I noticed and um, uh, professors of mine in school as well as uh, uh, peers of mine all noticed that I do not write about victims. I don't write about people who play the victim. Um, I there was a prompt that we were given at some point about, uh, based off of weird, actually the, the book You that is now a Netflix show, um, based on that of writing a, the beginning of a novel that was sort of with something of that sort of a uh, stalkery kind of vibe. And I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't do it where the, where the person who was the of interest to the main character was not someone who was portrayed as a victim because I I switched the roles and made the woman be the weird stalkery person and then the guy was the one that she was interested in and it was like he was like yeah I like the intention and my professor was like you you can't write victims can you and I'm like no I don't I I don't think I can and I think part of that comes from that like there's like a victim it, being playing the victim in in a lot of ways um means like you're you're letting the world around you beat you up in a way um because you're not willing to take responsibility for your own actions so you're you're making it seem like the world is against you in in that regard and i even when the world is against you like like with my characters like i don't write them having playing the victim because there's there's a sense of there there's a purpose that they have a duty that they have but um that's something that i've toyed with a lot of this is this idea with resilience and also within myself as well of how do i keep moving forward um what do i do to uh, give myself the strength to keep moving forward to give myself the strength to take care of myself to do the right thing for myself to put myself first if i'm in a situation where i'm uncomfortable or i'm not happy or you know i'm being hurt whatever it is um that it's it's the strength of self to put yourself above others ideas of who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing wow yeah yeah in, in fact if you hadn't brought up the writing thing i was gonna say that because it's true <laughs> she uh that's one of the things i've always loved since you were pretty young um mm -hmm. and started writing you've always wanted to have very strong female characters yeah, and I pretty much exclusively write about women. There's yeah. only one. There's only one ever one character I've ever written about who is a dude. Only one. All the other ones have been women. Yeah, and all in in various stages of uh, challenge. Uh, yes. But all very resilient. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that we talked about as we were talking about this episode was 
there's an uh, Asian proverb about fall down seven times, get up eight. And I remember using that a lot when I owned my real estate company and my agents would want to wallow in rejection. And I remember saying to people, you know, you can wallow if you want, but uh, if you could fall down seven times, get up eight, all in one motion, it would be so much more productive. And so that was our rule was no wallowing. And I think there, it, there needs to be a time for feeling the feeling, for having oh, yeah. the pain, all of that. You know we're all about feeling the feelings. Uh, but this idea of wallowing in it, and there have been times I've wallowed a little, um, but I, it's not my nature to wallow forever. And there are some t people whose nature it is to wallow forever. And um, the, the recovery from things that happen in your life take whatever time they take, but you can also help them along. For me, um, doing therapy, doing breath work, uh, doing water work, there've been a number of different modalities I've used to help me move through things that felt like challenges and, and, and pain that was unresolved from childhood. And so I really, really encourage you to move it physically through your body. There's something about it that, you know, and the wallowing, uh, just makes us rigid and small and contracted and it, it does not allow the feeling to move through. We attach to that feeling rather than um, uh, attach to what's on the other side of that feeling. And part of that's because it's scary. Yeah, and we don't know what's on the other side of that feeling. Yeah. And so like I imagine I uh, this image just came to mind of like when you just of wallowing where it's like you're sitting in a puddle and rain is falling around you and the puddle just keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting higher but you're not moving you're just sitting in the puddle not doing anything and you're like cold and you're miserable and you're just sitting there and it's like the the, the puddle keeps rising and you're just like no no i'm gonna stay here and then like that's almost what it can feel like for someone who really just wants to wallow all the time about anything that goes wrong and they're just like they're and you know and I'm not saying like that's a horrible, terrible thing. And you know, sometimes you do wallow, but if you're in a, in a cycle of consistently wallowing, you there, there, like you've learned that somehow, like you're getting something out of it. Um, either from the reactions of other people that more people are like trying to, or console you or trying to help you, or maybe that's how you want to get more attention, whatever it is, there's a reason that you're doing that. Um, but it's just, you're just sitting in a puddle constantly. And being and being and feeling miserable and you know where why do you want to be miserable would be my question for you well because sometimes drag around is right over there you exactly. know it's just like right outside where it's raining on you and where you're sitting in that puddle I remember one time you were really little and we had a power outage in our neighborhood and we were all kind of wallowing in the dark and mm -hmm. and no electricity you know nothing going on and then I looked out the window and I realized not very far away, there was power. And so we walked actually to a restaurant so we could actually get out of the house for a little bit. But it was so funny that we just assumed that everything was dark, everything was bad, there was no power anywhere. I'm like, no, it was just this part of the neighborhood, get up and get out. It was really funny. And that's, that's a, one of the places where I, I realized that sometimes we just have to look a little to the side a little up, a little down, somewhere else except right where we are and see if there's something else we can see that might feel a little better. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that happens with wallowing is that 
is because you're not very resourced inside of yourself. And this is a concept that I've brought up to my clients a lot this year. And it's this whole thing of how well you can handle uh, challenges has to do with how well you've taken care of yourself, your self-care, your self-esteem, um, your ability to get your needs met, your ability to meet your own needs rather than trying to get them met from everybody else. And that's one of the things I, I really want to encourage you to look at. And I, we've talked about this some other times, and we'll probably talk about it often as, as we go through uh, our future episodes too, is that being resourced makes all the difference in the world. And um, one of my goals is to feel like I'm resourced within myself and through my spiritual beliefs and practices so much that I don't need to get anything from anybody else. I love receiving love. I love receiving attention. I love all of that, but I want to be so inner resourced that I don't need that in that way because I don't want to be needy. And um, it's not to say that I don't want to have help. It's not to say that I can't receive. It's none of those things, but that for me, it's about my spiritual practice of feeling really filled up on the inside so that I am I'm overflowing and I have a lot to give where it's appropriate. Uh, that's not to say that I'm going to go give that energy and all of that to people that are not good for me. I, I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I might be of service to those people on occasion, but that is not going to be my regular practice uh, to be doing that. Yeah, and, you know, this is, I mean, I had a deal with this in high school after the breakup of my parents of really trying to figure out what it is that I wanted so I was going through um, I went to somatic therapy I went to a regular talk therapist um, to work out what I was feeling and to work on my own self-care and taking care of myself and understanding what it is that I really wanted um, and what I needed because you know, as a kid, like you need things from your parents. Um, you do, you're, you're not at the point of being resourced enough in yourself to be able to take care of all your wants and needs. There are, and there are times when you will not be able to, you know, even as an adult, take care of all of your needs. Sometimes you need to ask, ask your friends, your family for help. Um, and so I was still a kid and I was working through my shit and it, it became very clear over time that uh, the more resourced I got, the more I could make decisions that were really right for me. And even if they upset other people and that that's one of the key things that I had to learn through that process of, you know what, sometimes my decisions are going to upset other people and they might tell me that my decision was wrong and that I was stupid for doing it. Even though I knew inside myself, my intuition, my spirit, whatever was totally aligned. It was like, you need to do this. This is the right step forward. This is going to help you and bring you um, uh, to a place where you can be closer to stepping into who you fully are as a person. And so I did that. And part of what ended up happening is I don't really talk to the other side of my family anymore. Um, because of the fact that a lot of them directly disagreed with the decision that I needed to make because it would have, it helped me move forward and it helped me step into who I am as a person. Um, and that's, 
one of the biggest things that I learned about resilience is that resilience is not only the fact that you keep moving forward, but knowing that people are going to have opinions about the decisions that you make. And they're going to think that your some of your decisions are going to be wrong. And they're going to be very opinionated about that. And I realized that like, you know what, their opinion doesn't matter if I truly know that what I did for myself was the right thing to do. And that sometimes doing the right thing for yourself can mean drastically upsetting other people. But, you know, moving, if you have the support and you're able to move beyond that, it's like that's super important because you're putting your needs and your wants and your, um, your desires, your being above anyone else's opinion of what box you need to fit into. So. Yeah, yeah. That situation was um, was pretty intense, and and for me, I uh, I had to get out of my head about what I thought should be. Um, that you know, you should be with both parents. You you should work on these things, and I and she had expressed the the desire to just live with me and to visit the other parent, mm -hmm. and so I talked to her therapist, and the therapist said something really compelling for me, and that was why are you more concerned with protecting your ex than protecting what Sarah wants and taking care of her? And I was like, whoa. Um, and so she said, you need to let Sarah make her own decisions. She's old enough. Uh, if you ended up in court, no judge would ever make her decide something else at her age. And so she's entitled to make her own decisions. And um, she understands the consequences. And I don't think at the beginning, we really understood what was going to happen. We didn't really think that your relationship with everybody was going to dissolve. We didn't think my my relationship with your brothers was going to dissolve, but yeah. but it, it, it was all intertwined and and uh, it was one of those situations where I just had to get out of the way. She was a, a, becoming a young adult, mm -hmm. and it was she was entitled to make her own decisions about those things, and that's painful on both sides. Yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't a fun decision. Let me just say it wasn't like oh this is easy peasy. I thought about it. You know this is going to be great. You know, I was like, I knew something was going to, there was going to be pushback basically. And, but it's, I was ready to face the pushback and yeah, the pushback hurt and it was kind of worse than I expected, but, um, I needed to, I couldn't let their opinions like push me back into the box and doing what I was doing because I would have, I would not be here as I am today if I hadn't done that. Um, and okay. so I could see even at like, I was like 16 and 17. No, I would have been yeah, 17. Just, just before you turned 16. Then they choose to live with you? No, that was junior year. No, oh, well, whatever. That was junior year. Okay, 17. Because my biology oh, teacher was an absolute dick to me. <laughs> also, ironically, his last name was Dick. <laughs> um, I'm sorry if you listen to this, but you probably never will, so whatever. <laughs> Well, and I think the important thing here was is about making choices. Yeah. And so that that's the thing that she became so empowered by making that choice, even though it was super painful. And she did a lot of work with both therapists. Because my feeling at the time was that talk therapy is great, but working through what's going on in your body at the same time mm -hmm. is even better. And so I... When I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> when I discovered the somatic therapist, I realized I... I I was using it also for my own growth. 
Uh, and then I've done a lot of somatic work with various people and various modalities since then as, as Sarah. But it's about, you know, putting your eye on the prize of what it is you want. Yeah. And knowing that you're always at a choice point. So she could have chosen to stay in that situation. Yeah. And she could have chosen to um, do what everyone thought she should do. And be miserable. Because that, that, that was the turning point for me is I was fucking miserable doing what I was doing. Going back and forth between houses. Um, I was absolutely fucking miserable like there was no and i felt like if i continued in this in that cycle you know i would i would probably lose myself to depression like i would be i was already pretty depressed but like it would just like careen into a, a dark abyss um, and, and it wasn't about going back and forth between houses i want to just be clear about that if you are in a um, situation where your kids are going back and forth between houses, or if you're a young person and you're going back and forth between houses, it's about the experience you have in each of those houses. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. So um, there was a drastic difference between how I felt, um, both like in, in like inside of myself at each house. Um, and so with uh, my mom, um, I felt like I could accomplish whatever I need to needed to accomplish I had the wherewithal and the concentration and the energy and the expansiveness of that house too like um that that, that house is a great feeling house but um it, it allowed me to like do what I needed to do to like you know start getting ready thinking about college and doing all of my homework and all of that kind of stuff and I did not have that same feeling at the other house I was I felt um I felt small and I felt contracted there. And so I knew that if I wanted to um, be better and really be who I was, that I, I could not continue to live in a place where I felt small and contracted. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, you know, and, and if it had been me that she was saying that she couldn't live with, honestly, I would have just done whatever I had to do uh, to, to create an environment that was more conducive to our getting along. But there are some times when that's just not possible. The other person doesn't have the capacity, the kid doesn't have the capacity, or the adult doesn't have the capacity. And so you've got to really be honest with yourself and keep your eye on the prize of what you want. You know, So yeah. I wanted a great relationship with her. I would have loved to have kept a relationship with her brothers and, and her other mom, honestly. But that wasn't my decision. That wasn't my choosing. And that's where you really learn, where you have no control. And I could do as much as I could, and at the end of the day, they had their right to decide whatever they wanted to do that was best for them. And, and I got it. I didn't like it or it didn't feel good, but I got it. So, but I kept my eye on the prize of, of my relationship with her and helping her grow into a happy, healthy, functioning adult. And that has made all the difference. I mean, we've both just become so much more of who we're called to be in the world uh, as we've navigated this. And it's not always easy. You know, we, we don't always get along. We, I, and I think we've said on other episodes, we don't scream at each other. We don't yell at each other. We, we don't do that kind of stuff. We hurt each other's feelings sometimes. But when we know that, we try to come back and just say, hey, I, I, I didn't mean it that way. Or I'm sorry that I see that affected you that way. Um, or I'm sorry I'm being such a challenge today. Uh, I'm grumpy. I'm, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, really, when you're looking at resilience within yourself keep your eye on that prize of what you want in your life and how you want to show up in the world don't become a victim to your circumstance 
And I, I got to tell you, I know a lot of people's circumstances are really crappy. I get it. Oh yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. I have been in really challenging situations. Um, COVID for me during the, um, probably about the middle part of 2020 was super challenging. We live in a place where we've been on mostly lockdown uh, for whatever, however long it is now, um, too long. And uh, I get it and I don't disrespect the parameters, um, but it, it's really hard on people. And so I get it if you're in situations where you're living with people you would rather not be living with. Mm -hmm. I get it if you are uh, doing things you'd rather not be doing. I get it if you're missing out on the kind of college experience you thought you were gonna have. I get it if you have adult kids living with you and you thought you were done with that. Um, I get it if you're with a spouse that you really thought you were gonna be able to leave this year and you can't, I, I, I get it. But keep your eye on the prize of being resourced, being resilient, and being able to live your life the way you'd like to live it. Nobody can make you feel anything. And so, you know, their words might hurt, their actions might hurt, but there's a place in you that's very resourceful and very resilient that can um, fully experience life on a level that other people don't because they just don't go deep enough to find that place. And, and that, that place, that part of you, like you can call it whatever you want. You can be your connection to spirit. It can be, you know, your great power. It can be your inner goddess, your inner God, whatever it is, your inner deity. You know, it's just, it's, uh, uh, it's a part of you that sort of, it's like, I don't know. I would describe it as sort of connected to your intuition and that it, it knows what where where to head and like what's really right for you and sometimes you, sometimes we don't listen to our intuition <laughs> i do i i forget to listen you know um but it's there and it, it wants the best for you like that's what it wants and it wants the best for you and so you know if feelings are coming up of like anger and frustration at other people like that's that part of you being like you're not being treated correctly please understand this and do something <laughs> about it yeah. um you know so it's yeah yeah well and and you know as as you said as we were talking about this episode you know shit happens what you gonna do about it you know bad things yeah. happen to good people yeah and and the question is not that it happened you know we have a friend um a very close friend who you know was just diagnosed with stage four cancer and she's young and 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 we're all like still in shock i think of just saying how did this happen she's such a great resilient amazing young young woman and um bad things happen to good people and it's you know all we can do is keep our eye on the prize of supporting her in whatever way we can and loving her uh for as long as yeah. we can and as deeply as we can and um to support whatever her decisions are in all of that but um you know she's resilient we don't know what's going to happen um, and um, all we can do for, for her is practice our own self-care, our own resilience, so we can be strong and be there you know, when it's possible to do that for her. Mm -hmm. but, um, okay, so that also made me think of thinking about shit happens, is that you know, shit does happen, and so you're looking at how you're gonna move forward when this shit happens, and also remember that you know, it's not gonna last forever. 
right? And you really, you don't, and the other thing is you don't know how long your life is going to last. Like that's the biggest unknown thing. A lot of people don't like thinking about it. So <laughs> if this mention of it, it makes you squeamish and uncomfortable. Um, speaking to that, why are you squeamish and uncomfortable about it? You know, like it's it, the end of life makes me uncomfortable too. Okay. Um, I'm not denying that, but at the same time, it's like, but I want to live a life that I'm proud of. I want to live each day. Like it's great and fantastic. And I want to, um, really, you know, do the things I've dreamed about doing. I want to get those things done. I want to experience those things. And, um, it makes me think of this YouTube channel that I got really obsessed with that I talked about many, many episodes ago that me and, me and a very close friend of mine bonded over and it was this totally wacky YouTube channel that is now gone and deleted, everything's been deleted, but it was up for one single year. They made a video every day and it was just this reminder of, you know, things don't last forever. You know, live in the moment, live in the present, enjoy your life as it is now, have fun with it. Don't be too serious about it. And like, I, I'm obsessed with this fucking YouTube channel. Like I, like, but I totally understand what they were trying to do. And that it was live in the moment, you know, like your life, you don't know when things will end and nothing lasts forever. So live in the moment and enjoy what you have while you can. Yeah. Plan for the future, but live in the moment. Yeah. Um, because I, I just know too many people who worked and worked and worked and like we did three months of retirement, they died. And you know, it's just, it's just crazy to me that, yeah. that that happens so often. And you know, living in the moment is, is, is not an easy thing. And it, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to do that. And many of us do not live in survival mode all the time. And, and some of you watching it may be in a, a form of survival mode at this stage in your life. And, mm -hmm. and we get it and, and we honor where you are. And, and, um, but we want you to keep your eye on the vision of what you want and who you want to be. I watched this movie last night about this woman who was um, ended, uh, left an abusive relationship and watching her resilience, like she got knocked down right and left. Um, and, and, and toward the end, you know, the husband burns down the house she had just built with friends. And it was really interesting just to see her little girls emulating that resilience. So in the, in the closing um, scene, they're out there shoveling the ash, looking for some screws to recycle from the, the, the house so they can use it when they build the house again, mommy. And it was just so beautiful to that sense of resilience that she had passed down to her children because she kept her eye on, on the, her, her vision, her, her idea of a safe place for her and her children. So wrapping it up today, just really look at how you're gonna create a life where you fall down seven, get up eight, all in one motion and how resourced you are, what the choices you make in your life are, how to keep your eye on the prize of what you want. And the first part of that is knowing what you want. Yeah. A lot of us don't know what we want. And when shit happens, what are you gonna do? Because it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can say that's different in my life than other times when things were really stressed and really uh, stressful and really took me out was I'm more resourced inside myself. Mm -hmm. I have people who support me, I have a strong spiritual relationship. I have a strong family relationship. And uh, it doesn't all look the same for everybody. And, you know, a lot of people don't have relationships like we do. And um, a lot of people don't have friends like we do. And those don't, things don't happen by accident. So put your eye on the prize of what you want and create it. Yeah. It's yours for the taking.
And until next time. We love you. We love you. Mwah.